always a pleasure to head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline to say hello to Brent Hubs of BallQuest.com. His hour brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, one 656 9900 Brent, how are you? I'm doing good, John. How you doing? Doing quite well, and uh, nothing says that it's high school football time in Tennessee like having to clean out the locker room, right? That's exactly right, and nothing says it's high school football time in East Tennessee when uh, until it's got a heat index of about 101. Oh, so, even better um, point. Ever, even better point. <laughs> everybody, everybody, stay hydrated. Everybody, be smart. You know, and um, enjoy and um, soak in the fact that it's somewhat normal right now we hope that it stays that way who knows uh but um it's it it will soon be i guess week zero and and the kickoff here so uh, lots of work to get done i don't know a lot of scrimmages supposed to take place today and tomorrow and and obviously in the next week as uh, everybody gets to the first week of pads and gets ready to go well speaking of getting ready to go this time next week tennessee will have hit the practice field what do you think in terms of uh, of being on the cusp of Tennessee football camp, getting ready for the, the 2021 season? Well, questions come to the forefront, John, and, and we'll see how quickly Josh Heupel and his uh, staff can find answers to those questions. Obviously, at, co- at quarterback is, is the biggest one, but there are other questions on this football team, I think. You know, what's the depth that tied in? Uh, what's the answer at corner where they've got some more competition now? Uh, how does that shake out? What does the linebackers look like? And I think most importantly from an intriguing standpoint for observers is uh, how different defensively do they look? Are they going to be uh, with, with all the transfers that have come in? I mean, they, they have. when you think about it, they've got multiple transfers at all levels of the defense. And so how much does that change the look of this defense? How much does it change the outlook of this defense for this fall? Um, are all those guys going to be able to help as much as everybody's hoping they can help? Those are things we'll start to get the answer to. Maybe not next Wednesday, uh, but hopefully we'll start to get an answer to that in another week, week and a half. If uh, if folks haven't paid a visit recently to VolQuest.com, you guys are doing a great job of getting everybody ready for the season. Uh, Rob Lewis has been doing outstanding work with his opponent previews, and, and I believe that you've done every position group on the offensive side of the ball with uh, the defense, I'm sure, to follow. But in looking at group by group, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, was there anything that maybe – caught you by surprise or off guard once you took a deep dive into each group that's getting ready to play for new play caller Josh Heupel? Well, I mean, I think obviously, you know, the, the, the probably from the offensive line standpoint, John, the, the fact that they had and they ended up starting so many different combinations a year ago, 10 games, eight different combinations. And, and that's part of that's because of contact tracing. Part of that was because of injury. Part of that's they just quite frankly had a hard time finding their best five. But but in ten games, eight different starting fives, um, that's tough for continuity. And, and I think that contributed to the 29 sacks that they gave up. Not all that's on the offensive line, obviously. And then I think that they were flagged 18 times. But the biggest number out of that group that jumped out to me uh, was the simple fact that um, they started that many different combinations. 
you know, when when you talk about looking for continuity, you know, how quick can Glenn Ellerby find five guys um, on on his side of the ball, you know, in his unit, and how quickly can they get settled into that? Uh, I think is one of the things that that jumps out to me. You know, the other thing that jumps out about the receivers, Tennessee had two receivers average over thirteen and a half yards a catch last year. Jalen Hyatt and Josh Palmer being those two. Now, you know, somebody got one catch for 22 yards. I'm not really counting that. I, you know, yeah. I'm just talking about guys who had multiple catches. Central Florida had five receivers over average, thir- average over 13 and a half yards a catch last year. That tells you what this offense is. Tennessee's, you know, Tennessee fans are hoping to see what Josh Heupel is all about is they want to go vertical with the football and they want to be a big play offense. We'll see if they can can get that done, but that's certainly the hope and that's certainly the, the plan. Uh, so those are a couple of things that jump out at you. Uh, as far as getting back to the offensive line, uh, Tennessee had three players that were recognized as part of the All-SEC team uh, by way of the media in last week's media days. You had Cade Mays, first-team offensive line. He started both inside and outside more at guard than at tackle. Where do you think he might play this upcoming season? wherever it puts them in the situation to get their best five on the field. Uh, and I think that's going to depend on what happens at the tackle spot. Is is, is Dane Davis going to hold on to the left tackle position? Who is Dane's competition at left tackle? If it's not Davis, is it going to be Cade Mays? Are they going to work Darnell right over there and, and flip him uh, to, to left? Um, you know, who's going to be the left tackle? Um, if Davis doesn't win that job and doesn't hold on to that job, then I think you're probably looking at Cade Mays playing outside. Um, if if Dane Davis is one of your starting two tackles, then I think there's a chance Cade Mays plays inside. So I think where Mays play, where Cade plays, will depend on how that tackle competition sorts itself out pretty quickly here in fall camp. Because I would imagine they want to try to get to their starting five, not the first week, but they want to get. I would think they would want to get there pretty quick and, and, and sort of get settled in. Uh, particularly with you know whatever their whoever their signal caller is going to be, I, I I don't think there's going to be great experimentation going on all the way up to kickoff against Bowling Green. I could be wrong, but I think they would like to be settled a little quicker than that. I I do like what uh, I'm anxious to see what a second season in Knoxville will be like for Valus Jones Jr. He was named to the watch list for the Paul Horning Award. And I also thought that he could have easily been a fourth ball that was recognized along with Mays, Cade Mays, that is, uh, Paxton Brooks, second-team punter, and uh, Alante Taylor, who was third-team defensive back. But I just think when you look at the all-purpose capabilities that Valus has already shown he can Bellis, uh, has already shown he can do, I just think that he's somebody that I am anxious to watch um, just be used by Josh Heupel in this offense because I, I think he can help them. And, and I thought he was probably one of the brightest spots for Tennessee in that dismal second half last season. Yeah, he was. I mean, you know, he, he was a guy who was kind of non-existent in the first half. You know, yeah. they didn't they didn't really get him the ball, and you kind of wondered. There were a couple of games where he wasn't even targeted, and everything they threw to him seemed to be a little bubble of some kind or uh, a little quick out. They never tried to let him get down the field and uh, work him in the middle of the field. Then all of a sudden, you know, there were some moments in the, the back half of the season where they did that. You're like, hey, where's that been all season long? Not that it would have vastly changed their record. I don't think that that's the reason why they went three and seven. But point being, I don't think it was the best utilization of Bayless Jones' skills early in the season uh, a year ago. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, is he going to be a slot guy for Josh Heupel? Is he going to be an outside guy? Is he going to be a little bit of both? Um, can he win at the line of scrimmage physically? And um, can his quickness pay great dividends for him? And then do they feel comfortable playing him in the kickoff return game and continuing to use him there? Or do they feel like they, he's too valuable as an offensive weapon that they can't take a chance back there with that? I don't think so. I think he'll be the kickoff return guy for them. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's a reason why Bayless Jones was really excited at SEC Media Days because I think he really likes this offense, and why should he? I mean, I, why shouldn't he? I think it's a wide receiver's dream, and I, I think he sees the opportunity for big numbers in a big year and being a big focal point of this offense, and I think he will be. Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900, 656-9900. To the phones we go. It's Steve who's up next. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey. Brent, the same question I've asked you several times. If signing day was tomorrow, and who would you feel good about for UT? Well, signing day's not tomorrow, so uh, we know we know that a million we know that a million things can change in recruiting from not only month to month and week to week, but day to day. But I mean, right now, I think Tennessee is positioned seems to be positioned well with Addison Nichols, um, the offensive lineman from down in Georgia. I think right. they position themselves pretty well with Caleb Perry, the linebacker from Kentucky. Um, right. They're in it for several other guys, and and I think for this for this class and for this team, I, I think if they can get off to a good start in September, do some things and catch some people's attention, then I think you might see them circle back around on some guys who are committed elsewhere, and, and they might right. you know might be able to get some of their attention and and you know the, that type of thing. Um, we'll see. I know everybody's asking about Walter Nolan. We'll know about him because he's in Knoxville now. I think Tennessee's going to be in it till the end. Uh, I don't think him moving to Knoxville vaults Tennessee to the front, and suddenly the balls are the favorite to get him. Uh, and I don't think that's the case at all. But Tennessee's in it, and they were not in it, you know, seven weeks ago. They were a non-factor, and um, that, that you know Rodney Garner's got him in it, and, and we'll see what happens with with that going from there. Um, the, the receiver, and I'm not even going to put it. Um, Alec from up in Canada. I'm not even pronounce his last name. That's not fair to him. I can't even fake that one to make it sound right. So I will not try. Um, that's the Tennessee Stanford battle. Um, so we'll see what happens. Tennessee's in the final two with him, and I think that's a. I think he's a guy that Tennessee likes a lot because he can really run. Right. Okay. Well, okay then. Uh, oh, right, by the way. Hello. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Brent, your son, what year of high school is he in? He will be a junior this year, or he is a junior okay. this year. Okay. Okay. You'll be going to a bunch of ball games. I'll be going to as many as I can go to, absolutely. <laughs> as many as I can get to. If I can find a way to get to all of them this year and still get to all the Tennessee games on Saturday, then I'm going to make that happen by whatever means as, as I can make that happen. So right. uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it for sure. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Steve, we sure do appreciate it. John, I think that, you know, one of the big things in recruiting that you look at and and try to figure out as you follow it is, is what exactly is, what exactly is Tennessee's defensive recruiting board? And and I think that's the one that's a harder thing to get a handle on right now. 
and, and we'll see how some of those names, you know, at, you know, linebacker in the secondary, we'll see what names kind of pop up. You know, we know that side of the ball really used some previous relationships and uh, really worked the transfer portal really hard to change the look of that defense. And uh, that's changed a little bit of their priorities because so many of those defensive transfers have multiple years of eligibility. I would not be stunned to see Tennessee remain pretty heavy in the defensive transfer market, uh, even this this upcoming off season. Uh, not not because a bunch of people are going to leave the program at Tennessee, but but I think that you will see them continue to try to build some depth and get some help on the defensive side of the ball um, in the transfer market if they can find guys with multiple years of eligibility, much like they did post spring practice this year. I know it's probably way too early to uh, to do the fair comparison or contrast, um, but it's always been a roll of the dice when you go to the junior college ranks, which is where you had to go if you were looking for experienced players, those that had a little time under their belt to uh, perhaps come in and shore up one of the weaker sides of the football. But with the transfer portal now being such an impact or being such a factor and the chance to make an impact, how different are the expectations for somebody coming out of the portal compared to the junior college ranks where you could get the number one junior college target, uh, whether it be offensive line receiver or whatnot, and they could just fall flat on their face because they weren't ready for that, that level of competition. How different do you think mining the transfer portal is compared to what we used to see from the junior college ranks? Well, that's a great question, John. And, and um, you know, I, I think in some cases, junior college players are harder to evaluate. Um, you know, because you don't know about the competition and, you know, where are they, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, I, I, you know, particularly the line, offensive linemen. I, I think junior college offensive linemen have always been much more of a hit or miss type deal than uh, some other positions have been out of the junior college ranks. I think it's going to be interesting to see how hard junior colleges are recruited mm-hmm. compared to people saying, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to use the transfer portal instead. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and, and go, and go that. And that's not to say junior college players are not going to be recruited, but you know, everybody was looking for a junior college player because they needed immediate help at X position. Well, now that position has a lot of competition for immediate help because of the transfer portal. So how does it change? And junior college numbers are down because you know, most kids now, um, guidance counselors, high school coaches, do a, a much better job of getting guys on track uh, to graduate and, and to be, you know, eligible. You don't have the clearinghouse issues that you once had. We'll see what happens with the standardized tests moving forward. We'll see what happens with the NCAA clearinghouse moving forward. So it's you see more kids make it than don't make it um, anymore. So the junior college ranks, a lot of times kids are trying to go there to get recruited at a higher level, they're using it almost as a prep school extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, will that continue? What do those numbers look like coming out of the JUCO ranks? Will it be as a deep of a pool of recruiting from junior college as it's been now that we see the transfer portal coming into play the way it is? And just to uh, – you, you touched on Nolan, and I was going to bring him up, but what do you think it says about the staff that they've been able to make the inroads you talked about, not being at all in the picture? And – Still, far from being any kind of a, a favorite, uh, but just to be in the picture, to uh, to have been able to make inroads and progress, what do you think that says about the staff? And we all know that Charlie Garner, obviously, very good at doing this. 
Yeah, I mean Rodney. Rodney's done Rodney, a great job. You Rodney. know, in 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 thirty year thirty plus years in the SEC. You know, the one thing about Rodney Garner that I think probably gets lost a little bit in his recruit in his recruiting prowess. You talk to people out there about him as a recruiter, and and one of the things that you hear uh, from everybody, guys who played for him that he recruited, high school coaches that he's dealt with. Uh, other people out there in recruiting that he's dealt with. One of you know the biggest thing is he's honest, and it's pretty raw. I mean, you know, Rodney's a veteran, experienced guy that you know he, he doesn't do. I'm not saying he doesn't do some song and dances with kids because you have to in recruiting, but there's not a lot of that. I mean, it's a very real, honest conversation that he has with prospects, and I think that's one of the things that's gotten Walter Nolan's attention is that it's not been a recruiting pitch every conversation that you had. It's not been, you know, look at our facilities, look at this. It's been about, hey, you know, what are you looking for to college? You know, you want development? All right, let's look at my resume from a development standpoint. Here's what you need. This is what's good for you in college. These are the things you should be looking for in a college uh, to, to help yourself, not just for, you know, a year or two in college or three years, but for the next 15 years of your life. Um, those are the things that, that, you know, I can help you with and why Tennessee makes a lot of sense. And I think some of that honesty has gotten Walter Nolan's attention and, you know, getting him on campus a couple of times and getting face-to-face conversations with, with Coach Garner and Coach Heupel, I think has been important uh, to helping Tennessee's cause. He's not been to some other places as much, uh, but it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, Georgia's in it deep. Florida's in it for sure deep. Florida's probably been the leader in a lot of people's eyes. He's been to those two campuses. He's been to Tennessee uh, at least one more time than he has been to those two places. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I'll give Rodney Garner a lot of credit. He, his, I think his honest approach to that recruitment has gotten Walter's attention. That's Brent Hubbs. I'm John Wilkerson. We've got a lot more coming your way. 656-9900. 656-9900 puts you on Sports Talk. Brent's Hour brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com along for his weekly visit. 656-9900. 656-9900. Normally, Brent, when we talk about never... Uh, Never say never when it comes to a class being complete. Turns out that Rick Barnes wasn't done. Uh, not only do you add another post player, a seven-footer, but it's also another local product who reclassifies to become, I guess, a seventh member of this class, which now is ranked second in the country. What did you think in terms of the latest addition to Rick Barnes' Tennessee basketball program in Tomba from Catholic? Well, I think we all knew it was coming. Um, you know, I, I don't think the news was a surprise at, at all. Um, I'm a little surprised he announced it. I mean, Rob had indicated um, on our podcast and when they'd been asked questions about it that he thought Tomba might just show up at school in August and, and go to class, and that's almost what he did. Uh, but he did decide to go ahead and, and announce that he was going to, you know, he was going to Tennessee and and obviously discussed that with with multiple media outlets, including us and. You know, I, I think he's a guy that um, has a has a large upside. Uh, I do think he's a bit of a project. He's got, you know, quite a bit of work to do physically to get stronger. I, I'm not saying he's Kyle Alexander, John, because I, I don't I don't want to do that because uh, uh, you know their games are a little bit different. But I, I think their path is is similar. The, the difference is Kyle was forced to play early. I'm not sure Tomba's going to have to play that early, which is going to allow him 
more time to develop his skill and, and, and add the weight that he needs and, um, you know, become very friendly with the weight room and, and, and um, Garrett, the strength coach there, and, and certainly uh, go to work because I, I think for him to, to reach his potential uh, at the next level, there, there's, a, there's some work to be done uh, physically first and foremost, and, and that's going to happen in the weight room. We do have the NBA draft tonight. It's been something to uh, to see where Tennessee's players have been projected. You go back to uh, even before the end of last season, and the talk was that Keon Johnson could be a top five pick potentially, and uh, and we with Jaden Springer perhaps coming along in the mid teens, and even E. Pond showing up regularly as a second round projection. Now on the actual night of the draft. It seems as though it could easily be perhaps still top 10 for Johnson, but also maybe as late as the mid-teens or even pick 20. And a projection, I saw one, I guess it was ESPN, that actually had Springer going with the first pick of the second round. And it's been a long time since we've seen Ponds projected as one of the 60 picks. What do you think in terms of draft night for the Vols that are trying to, uh, to make that transition to pro ball? Well, I mean, Johnson and Springer are going to get picked. I don't know about Ponds, but Johnson and Springer are going to get picked at some point. Their names are going to be called. I think the one thing you're seeing with the NBA um, is you got to be able to shoot the basketball. And I think there's a premium on shooting the basketball uh, more now than, than, there, than there's ever been in terms of being able to score. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that probably works a, a little bit against Keon. Um, you know, he's, he's got to tighten his handle up a little bit, become a little more polished offensively. He's a tremendous defender, uh, but probably needs a little more polish offensively. And he's probably, you know, in, in what I'm seeing in the mock drafts, another mock drafts, we'll see what ends up happening. But, but what you see in the mock drafts is the people that have kind of slid, uh, in front of him in, in the draft projections are guys who can score, guys who can shoot the basketball. And, um, you know, that's kind of their, what, what they're known for. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think Springer's a little bit of a, of a tweener in terms of where he's going to play position-wise. Um, but, but I think both those guys are going to have, you know, long NBA careers. And uh, I think both those guys are going to be good players. And, um, you know, I, I think Keon's early role is probably going to be a defender. And I think his offensive game will de- develop as you go along. Um, and then, you know, the same can be said for Ponds, um, you, you know, but some of the offensive limitations, you know, may, may be what hurts him a little bit in, in the draft in, in terms of getting picked right now. So uh, we'll see what happens tonight. should be a fun night as you're going to hear some Tennessee names called for sure. And, um, you know, we'll see. You never know. Some guys, some guys are projected to go really low, and all of a sudden, they, you know, they're surprised taken by somebody because they just fell in love with them, and they're yep. afraid of not getting them and afraid of missing on them. So you never know. Yeah, I guess it'd be the first time since the '70s that Tennessee had two players taken in the first round. Some guys named King wow. and Grunfeld. Yeah, yeah they were, those guys were pretty good, right? Yeah, King King certainly went on and had an unbelievable NBA career. So again, I, you know, both of these guys have bettered themselves in their year at Tennessee, even though it was an unusual year, uh, both of them have bettered them, better their games and improved their stock since they've, since they've arrived at, at Tennessee. And uh, both of them, I think, are going to have a, a great opportunity to have long NBA careers, um, you know, and, and will be fun to watch their games develop, you know, moving forward. So, I mean, Josh Richardson, when he was picked, had some offensive limitations, and look where he's at now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think you can see – 
um, a, a big upside to both of those, to both Johnson and Springer in the draft, which is why you're going to see them drafted tonight. Matt joins us next. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Matt. Hey, how are you? Doing well, and you? I'm I'm doing well, also. Um, I I got a question uh, about um, Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. Since um, since the SEC finally extended an invite to them, how do you think it will affect the um, the conference? How it'll align, and uh, how do you think that'll affect Tennessee? Well, I think there's two ways. To, I think there's two ways the conference can go. Um, one, uh, you can keep it at divisions. And if you keep divisions, then from a, geogra- from a geographical and maintaining your rivalry standpoint, what makes the most sense to me, and nobody's asking my opinion, is that you move Missouri to the west and you take Auburn and Alabama and move them to the east. Um, that would protect the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. That would protect um, the Iron Bowl, obviously, Tennessee and Alabama, which are your three longest, in my opinion, your three longest standing rivalries You know, in – um, in the conference. Mm-hmm. Now, what most people are projecting out there is that they're going to go to a pod system, which means they're going to go to four pods, uh, and then you will take two of those pods, they'll play against each other, and the winner of those two pods would play the winner of the other two pods in a championship game. Um, so we'll see. If they do the pod system, John, to me it seems like they are um, setting themselves up to add more than two schools sooner rather than later because it's easier in my opinion with the pod system to add more schools than it is you know if you're going to go to 20 teams in your league you're not yeah. going to play two 10 team divisions so if they're going pods then I, I think that's that's a sign and an indication that at some point they see further expansion happening sooner rather than later yeah and uh, but it, it would be interesting to see exactly how it they do schedule things um because I think you could borrow heavily from what the NFL does with the AFC and the NFC, but to uh, in terms of the hierarchy and how you determine who plays for the SEC championship, uh, if you've got four divisions or the four pods, uh, I, I think it would be interesting to see exactly how that will translate, or I should say transition, uh, in terms of setting up the schedule from one to the next. Well, and the, I think the other thing, too, is how – how important is holding on to some of the some of the traditional games in this league? Um, is, is you know is, is that something they're going to try to hold on to for uh, you know kind of the the old guard, if you will, or is this going to be a situation where it's going to be hey, it's a new age, it's a new age of football in so many ways, and the best way to do this is to do the pods, and that means you don't have some teams playing each other every year that have played each other every year for a long time. Um, and, and at some point, you're probably that's probably going to end up happening. The mm-hmm. question is, does that happen in the next, you know, three years, or does that happen seven or eight years from now? Yeah, uh, that's a really great question, and we will see exactly how they decide to go um, because it looks like everything is steamrolling in that direction. But, Matt, sure do appreciate the call. We'll get a break and be back with a final segment to this hour of Sports Talk 
to get a question or comment into Brent Hubbs, uh, under the wire, 656-9900, star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Brent joining me on the Stanley Fencing Gates Hotline, and his appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screens. John Wilkerson with Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. And Brent, before the hour completely gets away from us, Tennessee continues to uh, to work further down the road. It, uh, you guys have a nice preview. I should say not preview, but profile of a 20 23 quarterback dual threat and Avery Johnson who's been offered yep that's the guy that Tennessee recently offered is uh again uh you better not slow down right you you better keep going and um you you better not you better not wait uh particularly with quarterbacks because they come off the board uh so fast and so Tennessee offered uh Johnson on, on Monday um he's got several other offers already jumping out there I think he's up to like 13 offers now uh, Arizona State, Arkansas, Florida State uh, are, are some of those who have who have jumped in there. He's six three, one hundred and seventy pounds. Um, you know, o- Ole Miss is offered as well. Notre Dame's offered, so there'll be plenty of competition for him. And uh, we'll see if Tennessee can get him on campus when they can get him. He's out of Kansas, which is not a hotbed for quarterback talent, John. Um, to be honest with you, but uh, here's a young man who. Um, you know, has opportunities to go a lot of places, and we'll see. I mean, the recruiting in the Midwest is going to be changing. You know, with, we don't true. know what all is going to happen to the Big 12. We know what's happening with Oklahoma and Texas. Those two schools recruit on a national basis. I mean, they, they, I mean Texas recruits in state, uh, but Oklahoma is recruiting nationally. So, you know, what, what's going to happen with recruiting for the non-national recruits? And, and Johnson May, you know, is, is on his way to being a national recruit. But some more regionalized type recruiting there, Who, who's going to jump in and get that? Is Iowa State going to clean up and, and that's going to be a big win for them, Oklahoma State? Or does, you know, other SEC schools try to get in and, and be a part of recruiting in the Midwest a little bit more than they have been in the past? We'll see what happens. That's just another part of the changing landscape in college football. That it is. And so uh, you've got, as I mentioned, you've got a profile on him. Uh, what else will folks find at VolQuest.com these days? Well, we'll continue with our positional previews. That's going to run all the way up through Tuesday morning uh, before Josh Heupel meets the media at noon on Tuesday as a part of Tennessee's media day. Of course, they go to the practice field on Wednesday for the first time. Uh, we've got our mailbag podcast up front that was up this morning. We'll have the war room tomorrow as well. Uh, continued recruiting stuff uh, over the weekend. Tennessee's going to have some prospects in town uh, for some unofficial visits. As this is a live week, meaning kids can be on campus. And so we'll have more on that in the war room and more on that uh, throughout the weekend with coverage of, of guys who have been here this week and will be here this weekend. So plenty of recruiting stuff going on uh, on the eve of the start of fall camp. And then obviously come Tuesday, we'll, everybody will be dialed in and, and, and ready to go for a regular football season and, and some football practice coverage and uh, comments from Josh Heupel and coaches and players as well starting Tuesday afternoon. Brent, always appreciate it. Best of luck in getting the Eagles ready to rock. Well, I have nothing to do with it, but my job is to make sure a couple things are mopped and uh, a couple things are thrown away. So I'll go do that part uh, tonight <laughs> to clean up. But good luck to all the high school kids out there. Again, stay hydrated and um, hope everybody stays injury free. And uh, I know some big scrimmages coming up, which is a good test to see where everybody's at. And uh, gosh, uh, I think we're what about three weeks, a little over three weeks away from uh, the first kickoff for high school football. Some great games early in the season. Should be a lot of fun. 
And I know everybody's looking forward to it, looking forward to the opportunity to go in and watching those games this fall. That's right. You're exactly right. So, Brent, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. All right. Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com joining me on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screens.